If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> when the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is <laughs> Flatbed is like my habit. <laughs> so, <laughs> this episode, as always, brought to you by Classic Ropes and our buddies there at Equibrand. You know how people always say like rate and review the podcast. <laughs> There's a reason it actually does help. It does matter. If you guys are listening to these episodes, go click the rate review. Only if you're going to give us five stars. Four is unacceptable. If you're going to give me a one star, just come here. I'll fight you. So five star ratings, reviews. It actually does help the podcast. Appreciate the help. We had Rod Lyman stop by the studio today. Um, cool episode. I feel like I talked about myself maybe more than what I wanted to or should. Um, but Rod and Stephanie both, they're just, they're awesome people. But Rod specifically, he's just kind of got that like dad vibe. And you feel like you're like confessing <laughs> your whole life to him. I, I, I think so highly of him. I'm so glad everybody got gets to hear from him. Um, super good guy, cool life, cool stories. I'm, I'm really, really, really excited about this podcast. I think you're gonna like it. The world is changing at such a rapid pace right now, and it's easy to see the role that technology is playing in that. In some ways, it's a positive thing, and an example of that would be Lone Star Cowboy Church in Montgomery, Texas. It's located in Montgomery, Texas, but it is also located anywhere that you've got internet access. And I happen to know firsthand that they take their online campus just as seriously as people who attend in person. They do a great job of reaching out. It is a really easy place to get connected and stay connected, to go deeper in the word, to have a better understanding of what's taught there. Uh, I would recommend check out LoneStar.tv, LoneStar.tv to be a part of Lone Star Cowboy Church in Montgomery, Texas. It is by far the widest reaching cowboy church in the nation. Pastor Randy, Pastor Darla Weaver, near and dear to my hearts. I cannot recommend it enough. Check them out. Rod Lyman. I grew up hearing the name Rod Lyman. Obviously, you know, rodeoing. My dad rodeoed in the 80s and stuff like that. But I really I really didn't get to know you until you were not Rod Lyman, the steer wrestler. You are Rod Lyman, the team roper. Yeah. <laughs> maybe four or five years ago. And I want to say this. I would start it this way. If I had to imagine... The personality of Jesus. When I think about like the stories you hear about Jesus, I have to think you're one of the closest to that of the people I know. Wow. You know, you you see somebody that bulldogged and rodeoed, and you maybe get this idea of what you expect. And like talking to you on the phone yesterday, Lacey's like, he is such a sweet guy. Yeah. I'm I'm sure my wife would disagree with you from time to time, but that's, thank you. That's for what they're designed that. to do. They're yeah. supposed to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> What year did you quit? Was there a definite, I'm done rodeo on this year? You know, uh, it was, I think, 2004, I guess, and and uh, probably had the best winter I'd had in quite a while, but uh, physically my back wasn't for it no more, and I didn't want to be that guy that was just out there going right. and doing it. I'd had a great career. I got to do something I loved for a long time, and I didn't want to tarnish that. Uh, I didn't know yeah. what I was going to do when I quit, and I guess as a warning to future rodeo kids or stars want to be, that's something you have to look at because I kind of decided at the Reno Rodeo that – hey, I'm not productive in this role anymore. And whether 
I was spiritually led to make that decision or whatever, and I sold my horses right there. At Reno? Yeah. And that was your business, you know. I mean, that's yeah. what you yeah. your 30 years you invested in was that's gone in somebody else's trailer, you know. And, and, and that ain't always 100% true because the friends and the connections I right. made through the years are totally – uh, you know, it, it's just invaluable. You can't yeah. put a price on that. So saying that, but totally in monetary speaking, you know, I, I would warn someone that says, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a rodeo star. I want to go do this, you know, and I, and I want to be the best. And I wouldn't discourage them, but I would also yeah. encourage them uh, that to, to stay in that top 10% of the people that do it, it's hard to have another business going. Right. You know, it really well, is. And I'm 40 now, which I know that's not that old, but you, you, you've you seen it kind of come and go, right? Like right. I've seen careers come up and then go out. And it seems to me like the people who don't differentiate between a career and their identity yeah. are the ones that struggle to step away from it. And right. For this reason, um, it, would, it would almost be the equivalent of committing suicide because they don't know who they are apart from that role in the rodeo world. So they don't know how to detach from it. They don't know how to set it down because it's who they think they are. Yeah. And so those are the people that it seems like rodeo takes back everything it gave them and then maybe more. Yeah. I, it, I think that's a great analogy, the way to put it to um, just, just to reference that. When I was a chairman of the board of the PRCA, I had the bean counters do a study for two years and 10% of the contestants got 90% of the money. So do you know what do you know what that's called? No. It's called the Pareto distribution. Okay. And the Pareto distribution is uh it's visible in every element of life. Sure. 80% of the num the baskets scored in the NBA are yeah. scored by 20% of the players. 80% right. of the music is sold by 20% of the artists. 80% 80% books right. and 20% of the authors. And so what Rodeo is doing is it's falling into that exact same mold. Sure. And really it's probably more like 90 10 yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, that's probably more accurate even than the 80, 20, right. but even in nature, you go to nature and you see the biggest, strongest males in a pack are having 80% of the reproductive success. Right. And so right. if people think that they're going to buck that just because they want it bad enough, right. that's been around way longer than rodeo has. Right. Right. And, and, and that's not to say you can study that and derive anything. I'm not, I'm not saying that right. I'm saying what you found people need to know. Right. And, and, and I guess what I was alluding to to stay in that talk, in that in that 10 percent of the guys that get 90 percent of the money, it, it consumes you. I mean, you become that, you know, you you're figuring out how to enter. And if you don't get up right that way, what's plan B, what's plan C, what's the best time to be at that rodeo on what day can we go first there and, and, and then come back? You know, I mean, there's so much more that goes into it. And you and I have laughed about this before because everybody from the outside looks and go, oh, man, man I'd love to so do lucky. what you do. You're so lucky, you know. And, and the 4th of July, they're out boating with their family, having a great time, you know. And you're... you're 27th cup of coffee. Yeah, trying, trying, to, stay trying to stay awake <laughs> and having showered in three days, you know. And it's like, yeah, I wish you could do it too. But yeah. but it's... Uh, yeah, but, but like you were alluding to, to, to have a life after rodeo... When, when you've been successful in the world's eyes in rodeo, it's a 
big transition. Like right. you can you can be down seven eight thousand bucks, you know, and credit cards are due, and you have a good good three days, and you got fifteen grand. You pay everything up, and you roll on. It's like Vegas weekend. Yeah, make <laughs> yeah. In the real world, it takes quite a little while to to come up with seven grand, you know, when you're working for a living. So, well, and and I think the same reason that people. So I didn't know this. It was maybe ten years ago. I learned that video poker is addictive. And I, th I thought that's so stupid. I, I don't understand how video poker, I just, I, it's not something I've struggled with, no judgment at all. Right. But to think that somebody gets addicted to going into like these gas stations or whatever and playing video poker just didn't make sense to yeah. me. But they said, it's exactly what you said. There's the potential to get all caught up in one swoop. There's yeah. the lights, there's the stimulus. And then like you look at what Rodeo and does, Rodeo and props its people up not to be successful. I really don't believe Rodeo and props its people up to be successful in the long run. Right. I do think they make it look good so they can sell tickets. And so as a result, you've got the lights, you've got the national anthem, you've got the smell. I love the horse. I love the Calgary Bucking Horses. There's so much about just the sensory of it. Right. And, hey, maybe I'm caught up by the end of this weekend. That it's, that it's almost, I think there's almost an addictive element to that. To oh, go with it, hundred percent, and hundred percent agreements with that. It's just a, it's a bit of a different gambling addiction, yeah. you know. Like, same as team roping, you know. I think if you allow it to be, you know, I, you know, what's an idol? Yeah, <laughs> you know, if it consumes us and it's it's taking over our thoughts, it, it probably an idol, you know. But I always struggled with. Uh, how much time do you devote to your career? How much time does you does your wife get? How much time does God get? You know, I guess that balancing act of life is uh, I've struggled with it forever. Yeah, you know, and and I don't have the answer, but it seems like. You know, and it don't matter. I have a great friend that was real successful in the car business. You know, and he had several dealerships. And he was devoted to it, man. Yeah. It's like, hey, come on, let's go hunt. Man, I can't. I got I got yeah. sales meeting Monday and I got this and that, you know. And, and I think any walk in life, that successful group of people do things differently than some other people do. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. It's just it takes a little more time. So uh, Timothy Keller said something one time that it helps. I'm not saying I've got it figured out by any means, but he said, when we think of idols, we think of external worship. You know, you look, read right. Bible stories, you're like, how stupid. Like to build a golden calf to me seems dumb. But he said, we think of, of idolatry as external, like we physically bow down to something and we're Westerners. We're too smart for that, right? He said, but internal worship is when you go through that exact same act on the inside, which is to say, my life would not be complete unless... Or I can be happy if, or it's, it's making a good thing an ultimate thing. Right. And I've known people that like are that devoted, that level of work, like you're talking about. And you see it kind of going back and forth there. Like you can see the people who've made it an ultimate thing because they're not happy. Right. They're trying to fulfill a deficit. Then you see people who they're doing it right. They're happy and they're not doing it from a deficit. They're doing it from a surplus. They're saying, I've got so much extra life and time and energy. I love this job and I'm really dedicated to it because I love it. But if it was gone, I would do something else. And that defining thing to me is the, is cause I don't want to be in a prison of success, right? But I don't want to be unsuccessful either. Right. You know? Right. And so, and so yeah. maybe that's for me, maybe that's been sort of a gauge that says I, my life would be complete if. Well, that should be, that should be, and it isn't always, but that should be my relationship with God. If God is the ultimate right. and I'm where he wants me to be, then I'm okay. Yeah. I tend to put things like financial security or success or all those other things. And that's when my life 
Well, I think, but I think we live in a fallen world, so we know that, you know. I mean, and, and I, I totally agree with you on on that. And I, the other day, at 61 years old, I rode nine head, and, you know, we I rode my two-year-olds, my three-year-olds, my four-year-olds. We roped on our good horses that day, and it was like the most rewarding day ever, just me and my wife. Right. I didn't have nothing to prove to anybody, but I just, I love what I do. Right. And the scary part for me is what happens in a day when you can't do that. That's right. the scary right. part, because I, I really do like what I do, you know, yeah. and... and I just feel blessed to be able to get out of bed and go shoe horse or ride ride some or or come in and visit with you. You know, there's so many cool people in this industry and the, this industry over the last I think 15 years, have, we've done a good job of including people and say, "Hey, come on to my house and you can learn to rope. You can." Yeah, yeah, but I'm an attorney. It don't matter. We can. We'll go slow. We got roping dummies now. We got right. videos. You know, you can participate in the Western lifestyle and yeah. and you know uh, the Yellowstones and those things, like them or not. Right. They've they've boosted the our Western lifestyle. Everybody wants to wear a cowboy hat again. And to me, that's cool, you yeah, know. Yeah. And they're dang sure a shortage of cowboys anymore. Right, but right. but I think it's it's all all good, you know. And it all comes back to us. But what you're alluding to, I guess I agree with because if you're enjoying it and, and love it and and you feel have that good feeling about it i think you're probably we're hopefully we're where god yeah. wants us you know so here's so here's my quandary that i'm in right now in my life because i'm in the middle of a transition i was in the ministry full-time for honestly closer to 20 years i was pastor in church for 10 and i knew i needed to step away from that and it's not because it's not because i'm anti-ministry it's not that it's that i knew i wasn't i wasn't where i was supposed to be sure that's it that's all i that's all i knew I'm riding outside horses right now. I've got horses in the sales, my own horses and stuff like that. And I, I hear what you just said, and I'm like, yeah, that's me too. I'm loving it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I lay down at night, and I'm like, but what's the meaning behind it? Where is this all going? What yeah. am I, you know, am I, am I really going to change the world for the better with my time here by introducing more horses into the market? Well, no. But the podcast, I think it's got more potential for that. You know, somebody listens to a conversation, and maybe it helps, but... I think the world has us so ingrained that like passive income and retirement and owning rental houses and, you know, a, a cushy retirement, all those things are what you're supposed to be maybe pursuing or prioritizing. And I'm not, I stepped completely right. away from those things and I've been surprised by how fulfilling it's been. Right. I, I genuinely, I genuinely love what we're doing right now. I genuinely love riding, riding right. team roping horses. And I can't say that I'm changing the world, but for some reason, when I come in tired at night, I'm way more fulfilled. Yeah. Well, and don't you don't you think it's an age old question? What's my purpose here on earth? And and strictly my opinion, sometimes maybe it maybe it's to hold the door open for that old woman and smile at her at at Safeway today. Yeah, maybe that was our purpose today. Sometimes <clears throat> I think you know that oh we're all supposed to go to Africa and 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 being the minister and we're supposed to do this and. And I think we can fulfill a lot of things simply day by day, you know, and, and maybe maybe we made somebody smile. Right. Maybe we said hi to a guy that was having a bad day, you know. Or imagine, imagine if we could get to a place where we felt that as being true because I, think, I do believe that's true. And at the same time, our society 
rewards or celebrates a million likes on a social media post. And so it's like, we're always trying everything that we're doing in the back of our minds. I think, especially our younger generation feels like there's a camera fixed on them and they're always performing for the audience, but they can't put their finger on exactly who the audience is. And like what you're saying about opening a door for someone or smiling or just looking for an opportunity to genuinely make an impact in one person's life. That goes back to the idolatry thing. If, if God's approval of my life means more to me than anybody else's, and he approves of those moments, I would be fulfilled. Right. If I'm trying to garner a following or if I'm trying to build a reputation for myself or if I'm trying to get attention or validation or if I'm working through dad issues or whatever the world deals with, those moments, as fulfilling as they could be, are missed because we have the wrong audience in mind. Does that make sense? Oh, I, it, it makes total sense. And and I, I do a lot of lessons here and to get people to understand that they're not being judged, you know, mm. like, like when we go practice and, and I have new clients and it's like, Hey, I don't, I don't care about you missing. If there's someone here that's judging us today, I want them to leave. Cause yeah. we, we're only here for one reason and that's to get better. But it's amazing. Cause we we'll all go to the rope and we think, Oh man, they seen me miss. It's like, Hey Jordan, what what did I what did you see what I did? Man, man I, didn't, sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't see. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was getting a it. coke, you know. And, and why we yeah. why we do that to ourselves? Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. And like you're saying, this this younger generation that's trying to create this huge platform through social media, you know, um, with not much works to go with it is unimpressive to me. You know, I like I like the quiet guy that you go, wow. I remember Derek Gay when he had an old beat up Dodge truck and a two horse trailer that was sparkling clean and taken right. care of. It wasn't much, but it was all he it had is. and he was proud of it, yeah. you know. And he didn't go around, you know, pounding his chest and going, you know, here I am. But that's just me and I guess the world changes and sometimes I don't keep up very good with some <laughs> of that stuff. Well, but maybe, you know, there's two ways to think about, and I want to say rules. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to miss um, represent what I'm trying to say. I think the Bible does have suggested ways of living, best practices. Like this is your right. best life. This is the best opportunity you have. And I think we have turned that into like religious practices and it got, it got weird, especially yeah. in the U S it seems like it's, that's, and that's my only experience right. in the U S but we've really gotten that wrong. Just what you said. So, so instead of making the platform about me and focusing the camera on me, I should be like a floodlight that puts a better understanding of who God is through knowing my life. Right? Well, that's a rule. Set that to the side. What you said about going to a team roping and feeling like everybody's watching you and so then you underperform, right. that means this. What we see in the Word isn't for a church setting. It transcends into every element of our life, it, oh. it, into parenting, into our marriages, into our personal relationships, into our performance at work. It has the ability to saturate and really supplement every element of life. Right. But we've taken it and we've turned it into these very rigid religious structures. And it's like the world needs to know the truth of those things without, I really didn't intend to get into a whole church conversation. No, so. no, but, 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 but just exactly what you said of like, no, this isn't for how to be yeah. a better Christian at church. That, that's, that's yeah. actually scrap that. This is what is your best opportunity to live a fulfilled life? Yeah. And, and, and that to me, like, like when Derek Begay looks back on his life, I would bet his days in the two horse trailer hold a really special yeah. place in his life now. Yeah. I, I I I guarantee it too. But that's the truth, you know. And and not not to get totally off subject, but I struggled with it as a young man. My dad 
passed away when I was eight, and my mom's just a saint. She's cool. But we'd go to the Lutheran church for a little while. We'd go to the Methodist church for a little while, and we went to the Catholic church off and on. And, and man, I struggled with religion. I, I struggled with it. And then one day I was reading in James, and you can probably quote exactly where it is, but it says what God says religion is, is taking care of orphans and widow and not letting oneself be polluted by the world. And it was it was like you just hit me with a truck. So all these stereotypes that I had a religion <laughs> that you had to give this and you had to go that and you had to be at mass and, you, you know, it, it just simplified it. And I was like so happy. Hey, God says this. And the first two are easy to take care of, orphans and widows. We all know that. Not letting oneself be polluted by the world. Now, that's a bit of a challenge, you know. So my dad and I have argued about that verse. And here's my interpretation of it. I won't speak for him. He can speak for himself. But here's my interpretation of it. Do you remember when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he goes, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's right. trying to add it to his collection. Right. right. And Jesus gives him a few lists, like a couple layups, a couple lobs, little soft pitches he can hit out of the park. You have to be good and this and that. And the rich young ruler's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I got it. I got it. He goes, yeah. okay, what's the last one? He goes, oh, by the way, you got to give away everything. And to the poor and follow me. Yeah. And the rich young ruler was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. That means I have to give up everything that makes me me. That's impossible. And Jesus's point that he's making in that was, I know. So your righteousness has to exceed right. or you can trade because my righteousness is sufficient. Okay. I go to that verse and it says, widows and the orphans. You know, the 1017 project, we're going to give away 150, between 150 and 200,000 pounds of hamburger this That's year. Awesome. This year, It's been yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I, I mean, it, as big a plug as I can give the 1017, it's been great. And the people that we're feeding are people that weren't going to have protein, and now they got protein that's better than they could buy on the shelves. Right. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful program. Yeah. Take care of the widows and the orphans. Okay, check. Keep yourself undefiled from the world. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I will tell you, I am so bad at that. I am like, it's like I was designed wrong sometimes. I, I swear it's like I'm, I'm, I'm flawed at a level I can't fix. And I hear that and I feel like that rich young ruler that goes, that's impossible. And I, I suspect, I suspect that God's trying to make the point through James in that they're like, no, exactly. It is impossible. Yeah. So religion in the end, you can do a lot of good and it can bring you a long ways towards a better life. But in the end, you get to that last step and you realize it's impossible. So religion is never going to be the thing that brings me into a better life, right. the ultimate, like right. fulfilled life. It's going to be the thing that improves my life, but it won't be religion that solves all my problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you know, I don't, I don't know. You, you've read it way more than I have, but I've never in there read where he says, hey, this is going to be easy, guys. Yeah. Never right. seen it in there. No. <laughs> well, in, fa in fact, the people who wanted to know, he said, it's a death. Yeah. It's, a, it's it. Yeah. It's, it's a death. And and I think what, what you said about 2004, and I want to get back to that, what you accepted by selling your Bulldogging team, again, this is not church and church rules. Scrap all that. Right. If someone never right. goes into another church as long as they live, they could still get this. What you accepted was a death yeah. by selling your Bulldogging team. Yeah. And the result after that death was resurrection. Because yeah. everything in your life that's taken place since then was made available because of a choice to die over here. Right. Right. And there's freedom. I, I think so many times we resist death, and I don't mean physical death. We resist all the little micro deaths where when we get to a place that we accept it, yeah. the freedom that that just springs loose in people's life to go, okay, well, I'm not going to be a bulldogger anymore. Uh, well, I what think does that mean? You just experienced it. I mean, me and you are talking in the parking lot at a, at a stinking roping about, you know, and you're struggling with it, trying to find the balance of the deal. And, you know, and and the whole time, 
I know you're doing the right thing. You know, one, because you're thinking it through. You're not making no rash decisions, you know. I mean, you were wanted to do something else. You wanted to reach out. Um, You know, you say, I'm not in the ministry no more. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. When we walk through, you know, bashes, we're, right. we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're that walking testimony. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we fail, you know, yeah. and, and thank, thank God for forgiveness and grace. You well, know, I think, because I think what I finally came to, if this makes sense, I hope it does. I think what I finally came to is I didn't want Jesus to be a job anymore. Um, Justin McKee called me one time. Maybe I, I maybe said this on this podcast, but he calls me one day out of the blue. And you know, Justin, yeah. he, people think he uses an announcer voice, and that's not true. That's yeah. just how he talks. Like, right. that's how he talks at dinner. He's just yeah. Justin. But he goes, I want to read you something I just read in the Word. And he, he tells me something, and it was really insightful, something I'd never heard, which right. is rare from a preacher's kid, right? I'd never heard it before, and it was dead on. And he goes, I set my Bible down for a period of time. You know, you hear that, and you're like, oh, sure. bad, that's bad. He goes, but hear me out. He said, I didn't want to take what I found in the Word and turn it into a sermon anymore. I wanted to just live what I knew was in there. He said, I picked up my Bible today, and this jumped off the page at me. And he said, if the Lord ever brings you to a place where you can set your Bible down for a minute and just rest, don't go through that season with shame. Yeah. I mean, I just, I sat there, and I just, he's like, okay, got to go see it. And, like, he hangs up, and I'm just, I'm sitting there in a water truck. And it just, like, it was a heavy moment of, like, how God knew that I needed to hear that. Yeah, I just didn't want Jesus to be a job. Not that I'm stepping away from ministry. No, but I'm accepting the death of that occupation. You, right. you, really, and it felt like this is actually a, a Rod Lyman podcast, not a Jordan Weaver podcast. <laughs> I know much about it. Um, it felt like a, almost a divorce because for ten years we'd spent building property and people and systems sure. and programs, and we had done all that just to hand it off to someone else. But without that, you, without that death. There's no resurrection on the back Man. end. Of it. Yeah, isn't the peril? And it becomes just a prison. Amazing. Yeah, and and then everybody says, "Well, we'll just quit," you know. And and whether it's quitting bulldogging, team roping, or ministering, it's like. Man, I got all these sponsors. I got all these people that are relying on me that I hire part of them. Very complicated. It's very complicated just to go, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here, guys. See ya. You know, and I think that's what people don't realize. Uh, when I when I was searching, when I quit rodeoing, and and I'm stumbling around, and, and I was naive enough to think I was going to make a living jackpotting, you know. So <laughs> I've been um, there, yeah. <laughs> and so we we uh, had a place in Texas, and we sold it, and we were looking for somewhere to do. And I I loved horses, I loved cattle. That's why why I rodeoed. I because right. I couldn't afford a ranch, you know. I wanted to be around horses yeah. and cattle, and and kind of be my own boss, you know. And so we come to Wick here and we 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 ran a place and from a really nice man and and uh, we got our horses and we're riding outside horses and you know and we're going holy crap this is all that's coming in you know and we're buying hay and this and that never worked harder yeah. made less <laughs> yeah and at five times a week this really nice guy that has been very successful with a lot of money says here's what you need to do you know and he'd always have this great idea you know and so after about 60 days of this i said you know you're right i said would you mind giving me that four hundred thousand to get started yeah, you know, i, and I I'll, love I'll, your I'll, idea I'll get going here. great idea <laughs> and then that was the end of that you know but i think i don't think people realize how complicated it is to change 
We're going to take a quick break and tell you about some of the people that have invested into the Flatbed podcast and make this possible. Check out the products. Think of this. If they're putting their hard-earned resources into the Flatbed podcast, it means that they see things very similar to the way that you do because if you're listening to it, they get it. Don't just listen to it as a, oh, this is a commercial. Actually listen to the products that are making these types of podcasts and this type of content available to you for free. Check them out. There is a feed that has taken over this part of the world where we are here in Wickenburg. It is Midwest Agra beet pulp pellets. I think every time I'd heard beet pulp, I thought it was something you soaked and gave to like an old horse in their retirement years that could not be further from the truth. Midwest Agra has fed the two of the last 10 Kentucky Derby winners. If you th guys think they don't do their research, uh, it's a pellet you can feed straight to them. It's a super fiber. It promotes health in the gut. And here's the main thing. Everybody's trying to figure out how to reduce feed costs, promote efficiency so that we're getting the most out of the hay that we're feeding. This is the option. This is the best feed going. If you're trying to maximize efficiency in your hay, beet pulp pellets. Who knew? I've learned so much since getting to meet the guys there at Midwest Agra. There's some change coming. We'll let you know as it gets here. There's some announcements coming. There's nothing but blue skies in front of Midwest Agra. You guys check out the ropingcalendar.com. There's an app in all of the stores, whether it's Apple, whether you've got an Android, whatever the case may be, search roping calendar. This is the fastest way to find only the information that you're looking for. I know that Arizona can be chaotic. There can be a lot going on. The most comprehensive up-to-date list of the events that you can find in Arizona are at roping calendar. Check it out in the app store, check out the website. You can search by date, you can search by location, you can search by event, you can even search by jackpot number. So say you're looking for a specific number of jackpot, you click on that tab, it'll take you only to the flyers that have what you're looking for. Ropingcalendar.com is the website, Roping Calendar in the app store. It is the fastest growing website in Arizona for roping related events. 300,000 page views in its first winter, over 40,000 unique users. Find what you're looking for at the Roping Calendar. But I think I don't think people realize how complicated it is to change. Once even after you make the decision to change, right? right. It's still there's a transition period that maybe it's going to be a year, maybe it's two years, maybe it's two months. But there's still a huge transition period in change. Well, otherwise, again, we have just ruined this word. We have just decimated this word because you think you hear the word faith and instantly it goes to a church. I don't mean that. Faith meaning the belief that there's something around the corner that you can't see. You know, the belief right. that I, I know what I can see. I'm not sure what I can't see, but I think it's going to be better. I think I've got what it takes to get there. And in, I can't speak for young women, but for young men, I know that that's the defining moments in people's lives. When yeah. they're willing to step forward and go, I don't know. Yeah. But let's but, try it. Yeah. I think I've got what it takes. I trust that God's got at least some sort of a safety net. You know, and, yeah. and the, I'm just going to go see. And those people, it's why we celebrate when someone does it and is successful because it's like we all wanted to, but not everybody's got the guts to go experience <laughs> that that gap between what is and what could be. Yeah. Yep. So yep. When, how long after you quit rodeoing, how long was it before you felt like you kind of had solid feet on the ground with what you're doing next? Probably three and a half years. Yeah. And and then was 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 uh, had one leg on quicksand and the other one on a slippery slope, yeah. you know, because yeah. there was no financial stability. I'd taken some chances. We bought a little ranch that needed to be fixed up, and how we got it bought, I don't know. But we mm -hmm. scrambled around and got some stuff done, and and you know, and 
And uh, even our place here in Wickenburg was a God thing. You know, we sold horses and saddles and stuff to come up with a down payment for it. Border collie dogs. Border collie dogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It ain't, it's a good thing I wasn't worth nothing. My wife would have sold me. But, but you know, it, it, it was, and it, it wasn't easy through them times. I mean, there was lean times where you're wondering how you're going to pay the bills. And, and, but it, was it worth it? Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. Was there a time, was there ever a time, you know, maybe 2004 or five or six in there where it crossed your mind? Like maybe I ought to go back to rodeo and it was, I was making better money doing that. Yeah. You know what? I, I guess I didn't, I, my ego was too big. Cause like, yeah, you don't want to come back as a failure. Yeah. And, yeah. When I was done, I was done. And, and they kind of tried to get me to go to the American one year and, and that's probably stupid for not, but it's like I wasn't that guy that was just going to go and get on and run that one. I would have yeah. went and entered and tried yeah. to find a good horse to ride, and, you know, and I didn't have the money to hire a personal trainer to get back in shape. <laughs> they asked Aaron Seamus. We were at Prineville when that thing first kind of rolled out, and Aaron was still living up there. And they asked Aaron Seamus if he'd get on a bull, if they invited him back, and he goes, absolutely not. And they go, for how much money? And he goes, well, let me ask you a question. How much money would it take for you to commit suicide? <laughs> I guess that's probably the number because I'm not getting on a bull. <laughs> you gotta love me. It's probably don't good. You? It's probably good, you know, to know that because what you don't want, what nobody wants, is to be the guy that comes back and you've aged in ways you didn't realize. Right. You know, and you're you know, you're not moving very good or you kinda Yeah. You know, without naming names, there was a couple of guys that first year that, yeah. like, the last time you saw them, they kind of went out in their prime, and then you see them, and it's like, oh, oh man, you yeah. look so much cooler just kind of waving to people, not yeah. getting on, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what, you know, as far as Wickenburg now, what's life look like for you guys here now? Oh, you know, Wickenburg, I think, was a godsend for us to end up here, and we, we came before it was what it is you know and we just we love the people here what um, year did you guys get here like i guess we've been here about 12 years so so you guys were like two years yeah, before because yeah, really this is only yeah. like the 11th right year that, that they've done this done it, but, yeah. well, i say that yeah. like like this right like there was beavers roping on tuesdays and saturdays on road and and tayos usually had something somewhere on the weekends and and that was about it. Yeah. You know, they, they did rope. They still roped in at Dynamite. You know, that's such an icon for the industry. Dynamite is. but And they roped there. But as far as out here, you know, if you got your butt handed to you, you lost 300 that, that week, <laughs> right, you know. Right. And it's like, oh, man, better get back to work. We're down 300, right, right. you know. And and just to see what it's done and it's changed. and, and uh, to, to give you some perspective, I lost 300 in a goat rope in last Friday night. <laughs> and I won second. And you went second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. 300 is like one half of the entry fees of one rope. And one anymore. rope and anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, there's just so many great facilities and, and, and great producers that are, have made this such a fun place to be. And it's, you know, and I, I don't know about you, but take Vegas week and, and, you know, Ty's horse sale and stuff that's such a phenomenon and the regular grind, it's, it's kind of like 
you calling me to ask him, hey, do you want to go hunting? Yeah, I want to go hunting. Do you and I really care about killing something? No, not really. Time. But we want to go spend some time together, and we're, we're a little bit like-minded, and we want to discuss right. the world. And I think that's why the majority of the people come to Wickenburg is like, man, they're cool people. Right. I tell everybody, hey, this is the lowest stress atmosphere I've ever been in. You know, because most of the people have worked hard to be able to be here. They're fairly comfortable with themselves and life. It's like, hey, you want a rope today? No, not really. Let's go play golf. Okay, yeah. I don't feel like golfing. Let's have a card game tonight, you know. It's like living on a cruise ship, but with arenas. Yeah, with arenas. It's like, hey, come I on. Heard, I was at, going by my neighbor's house the other day and stopped by and said hi. They are roping, and they get down there like, all right, when do you want to rope again? He's like, I don't know. What's tomorrow? <laughs> they go, I don't know. What's today? Oh, shoot, I don't know. Let's rope tomorrow. And that was it. That's how yeah. they left the conversation. It's, yeah. And they're, you know, they're retired. You know, yeah. but, but at the same time, and, I, and I'm curious about your influences of people that you kind of look to down here. But um, there's a lot of those people buying horses. There's a lot of those people buying places and hiring welders and well drillers and uh. construction workers. And it's not just, you know, the retired, take right. easy people. But even the workers get to experience that community, though. Yeah. I consider myself definitely on the blue collar end of what goes on down here. Right. Us um, too. You know. For yeah. sure. But I don't feel like I'm excluded. Right. From you know, anybody. From going to eat lunch with people or going to see people. The podcast has been a huge outlet for me. But my point is, it's not for the elites. Right. It's not like for the people right. that live on top of the hill to get to experience Wickenburg. It yeah. might be the guy working the shoots. It yeah. might be the guy raking the boxes. Everybody gets to be included in that. Yeah. I, and and you want to talk about maybe a huge ministry that we don't even really think is a ministry, the way we conduct ourselves and thanking the guy stripping ropes because we've done that before and, and appreciate him being there, you yeah. know. And, and and I guess in this day and age, I, I try and thank the, the waitress, you know, the gal checking you out at the, at the store because nobody seems like they want to work. And it's like, hey, thank you yeah, for being here, you, you know. It's like, hey, Tyos, thank you so much for putting this roping on, you know, that I have a reason to come here and want to be here, yeah. you know. Well, and I, and I think that grateful people are happy people, not vice versa. I don't right. think people are grateful as a result of extra happiness. No. I think when you make up your mind that you're going to be grateful to get to be a part of it, man, people are just happier. Yeah. You're just a happier person doing yeah. that. So who, when you look around, when you get down here, because you guys are in Montana half the year. We're in Idaho now. But oh, you're yeah. in Idaho. What yeah. part of Idaho? Lidor, Idaho. Yeah. Where's that? It is 60 miles from Salmon and 70 miles from Dillon and 120 from Idaho Falls. So up there in that, that yeah. corner all by itself. Yeah, and it's absolutely awesome. When did you guys move there? You know, we moved there two years ago now. Uh, uh, a friend of mine has a ranch there, Carl Tyler, and, and uh, I've been involved with him in the ranch for 28 years. And when we sold our little place, he says, why don't you just move over here? And so we did, and it's absolutely Perfect. awesome. Yeah. So yeah. when you and you're here, you're here from when to when? You know, we're here for about seven months. So we'll come yeah. in October and go back up there in June. Yeah. 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 So when you look around Wickenburg, who's the person that's like an inspiration to you? Who's the person that you think is doing it in a way that inspires? Because you've been around, you've known everybody, you know everybody. I want to talk about your time on the PRC board here in a minute too. But, <laughs> but is there anybody that you look to as like, man, that? Whether it's a spiritual standpoint, whether it's a horse training standpoint, you know there there's so many. You know from, you know I, I, Ty Grantham and, and what Ty Yost have done here in town to make it accommodating. 
and the services that they provide. But, you know, you look at Brett Fleming building fences and they're working and they're, they're you know, doing good and building houses. You know, uh, Thad McConnell building houses, you know, I mean, th those guys all inspire me. It's like, hey, they're up and they're busy and they're getting after it and they're seizing some opportunities and they're doing good things with their rewards, yeah. you know. Well, you get to see excellence in this town maybe like nowhere else I've ever lived. Exactly. You get to see people doing things with excellence in any walk. You can go anywhere and see people doing a bad job. I'm not saying there's not that too, but right. just what you said, it's, it, it's a place where excellence is rewarded yeah. in a way that brings people in. Yeah. And, and look what they've done down there at hooves and horns. What a, what a wonderful facility straight up out of the desert. Yeah, you went just from there, nothing, yeah, to from nothing, you know, yeah. and it's just awesome. And is that Bob, was that Bob that built yeah, all that? Bob, Bob Ames? Yeah. And then look down there at the bar, you know, I mean, <laughs> that thing's cleaning up and, oh, man. and people love to go there. And, and, and you can lose $300 and, at a goat roping. It's <laughs> you a can great lose spot. 300 <laughs> at a goat roping. Yeah. You can listen to loud music. You can do about whatever you want. It's it, it but it is. It, and there, there's so much to do, you know, and there's, you know, and alluding to the horse riding and stuff, there's just so many good, good riders and people out there you know and like you say there's the other end of the spectrum too but it's just like gosh the more i do it the less i know you know yeah and yeah and it's so fun now i'm i never enjoyed riding the colt colts you know right, and, and now i love riding my two-year-olds you really? know yeah i just enjoy them you know and seeing the little bit of progress that they have every day and 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 setting them up and one reason I don't make a very good living riding horses is I'm too slow, you know. Yeah. Most of them good guys have two-year-olds doing whatever they need them to do. And I got four-year-olds that I'm just starting to rope on, you know, and roping slow steers. But yeah. that's just the way we are. We ride them at the ranch a lot and stuff. But I, I don't know. There's There's just so many iconic people right here in this little town, you know. So at, at 61, being retired now for a while, being fully in this life here, getting your stuff kind of uh, leveled off. What is, do you, do you make goals that are specific or is it just kind of keep doing the same thing and see what it produces or, or is there something in your, you know, I've always been real goal orientated. And so, yeah, we, we still have the short term, long term goals and, and, uh, and try and work towards them. And, and I'm just, so, what's your what's your favorite goal? Let me say it this way, because I know you can have a lot of them, but what's the one thing that like your mind just travels to, like, gravitates to, that you'd like to see that you haven't got to yet? That's a good. That's that's a tough question right there. Um, you know, I guess I guess I don't know if this sounds hokey or not, but one of my goals is, and I'm not just talking about roping right now is to not beat myself. Hmm. That That's one of my biggest goals in life. I don't want to beat myself, and I don't care if it's a business deal or a friendship. If I messed up, I don't want to beat myself up because I'm pretty good at that, you know? You I, think you're harder on yourself than you ought to be? Yeah. Yeah. So, boy, there's a, there's a mountain of questions that come with that because <laughs> I think your average person does. Yeah. I would be very interested if you could put a microphone in someone's head Yeah, to see how they, cause I have to be careful. I don't want to ever discourage my son. 
Right. I want that if my son talks to himself in my voice, that he's hard on himself, but he's encouraging. Like the yeah. spirit of it is encouraging. Yeah. Mine is not. When I talk to myself, if I'm not careful, I'm not encouraging yeah. at all. I'm yeah. very, I'm very, um, and I don't know where I got it, to be honest. I don't know where I got it. Cause my dad, my dad wasn't that way, but I don't, I don't naturally build myself up in my own head. Right. I'm constantly on my, and, and, and I think I justified it as a kid as, well, if I'm not hard on myself, then who will be in that kind of stuff. Right. Where do you start? If you want to improve on that, where do you start? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I try and read a lot of self-help books. I try and go to bed, go to sleep with real positive thoughts, try and wake up with real grateful thoughts. It's something that I work on every stinking day. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't know? it weird? Because like I know if I discourage a horse, the fun's gone. Yeah. And the minute the fun is gone, oh yeah, I've lost him. Yeah. Like he, the only thing he's ever going to give me is what I demand. Yeah, exactly. If I ever encourage him, if I go slow enough that he almost gets bored with it, pretty soon he is as much into what we're doing as I am. Yeah. And in the long run, I know that for him to be a success, he cannot think about himself the way that I, Jordan, think about myself. So I'm like, wait a minute, that's hypocrisy yeah. because I'm not living truth that I believe. Yeah. I can say that I believe this, but then I'm living according to that. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating disconnect between what I believe and what I do. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, and I'll bet you are the same way. It's like, if I'm going to get better, I'm going to be eight hours a day. I'm not going to be five. I'm going to be out here eight hours. I'm going to run 100 today. You know, and I think back when we were bulldogging, you know, and Oat and Sam and us were, were at Bill Duval's, it was nothing to run 35 or 40 a day a horseback. Really? Oh, and we were having the best times of our life, you know. And, <laughs> didn't even and, feel like you were working? No, we didn't <laughs> feel like we were working at it, you know. And, and and it was just totally awesome. And and like you're saying, you were pretty fulfilled that night when you went to bed. Yeah. I yeah, worked at it. I, I'm tired. I'm physically tired. I'm, I'm mentally fulfilled because I worked at it today. I, I did it, you know. And to find that. Especially riding horses is, hey, I've only been on this horse for 20 minutes, but you know what? He did pretty good. Maybe I should just get off yeah. and quit, yeah, you know, yeah. for, for me to, to learn that. And I think even my lessons, like, I'm too intense, mm. you know. Uh, it's like, man, if you're not here to learn, don't yeah, be wasting my time, you know. <laughs> if you want to hear rodeo stories, you need to go somewhere Listen to else. Listen podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm totally here for right. you, and I'm, right. I'm wanting you to, to do better. I want you to be better, and I have to, like, all right, shh, let's marry out, yeah. tone it down a little bit, you know. <laughs> well, when I, when I look at, take as an example, the one example everybody uses, but you take the NFR, and you're watching 15 guys per event, one on each side of the team roping. It's a heavy dose of concentration of people who drove themselves beyond what's normal. Right. They push themselves beyond what's normal. When you, when those, you know, you're sitting there at the grand entry and you're looking to your right and your left, all you're seeing is equally as fierce competitors yeah. Yeah. or people that are ambitious beyond what is normal. Right. And I think there is probably a disappointment to learn, because like with what I've done, that's always been the criticism of my leadership my whole life. My whole life, the criticism criticism of my leadership is, dude, calm down. Yeah. Just calm down. And I'm thinking like, it was almost disappointing. It was almost sad to me to find out that the world isn't as driven or as ambitious as I was. Yeah. 
And it's almost, I, I almost wonder, and, I, and I'm curious with like your lessons, right? It's almost like a soldier coming out of the military and trying yep. to reintroduce back into civilian life and realizing like yeah. not everybody carries that level of, and yeah. I'm not, listen, I'm not putting myself in the same category. That's not what I'm saying. No, but it, it is it's the same genetic makeup. The air yeah, it is. It's hard it because is. you're, yeah. you're seeing. Yeah. I think the difference is, is you know what it takes to win. At a high level. That, yeah. that combined, because yes, but that combined with unnecessary suffering. There's a suffering, right. like you run a 40 a day, there's suffering, but it doesn't feel like suffering right. because it's a necessary suffering. Yeah. We're all geared towards necessary suffering, right. sacrifice. We're all geared towards that. Unnecessary suffering is a completely different thing because it could have been avoided and it feels like waste. And so if somebody wants to learn how to team rope or learn how to ride a horse or learn how to shoot a basketball, if you'll apply a certain level of structure to that, you're going to be able to avoid suffering. Right. And so you see this as you yeah. can avoid the suffering yeah. because they don't see that. They go, I don't know what the big deal is. And, and yeah. it's almost like you're, you don't understand I, I can't, what's available. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that, you know, I, I've said that a million times, you know, if I had, Clay O'Brien available to me or Jade or or Trevor, you know, to come and help me four times a week. They would have to quit before I would. Yeah. Because I'm not going, I'm like, not leaving any hey, meat on the bone. Everything's saddled, everything's done. If you'll just come, you know, and, right. and these people are like, ah, yeah, whatever, maybe, maybe not, you know. And I, but I guess it's just a genetic makeup of our souls, I guess. My my daughter is the sweetest, she was 10 at the time. She's the sweetest little bebop in the whole world. She's just a doll. And she wants to come out and rope. It's a perfect example. She wants to come out and heal. And she's like, this is how I like to do it. I'm like, Cody, nobody likes to suck. And right now, that is the dumbest thing you've ever said in your entire life. And she's just looking at me. And I go, stop it. No one cares how you like to do it. Nobody enjoys like sucking at something. Just do it this way. So she, she kind of like gets her feelings hurt. And she goes back. She does it right. I got it on video. So I tag classic in it. And of course, she's cute. She's on a little segue. They post it everywhere on all their social media. And my daughter learned a little lesson it's of like, it. no one's going to post that if you're swinging it backwards and you look like a cheerleader swinging a rope. <laughs> Learning moment. It's way more fun to do something right. Yeah, exactly. Are you putting any horses in sales this year? You know, um, we, we, as of right now, we haven't, you know, and, and, and that's another thing, you know, it's like, I, I want to put the best one in there and, but doing what we did, you know what a finished horse is, mm -hmm. you know, and it's hard. It's like he's a tick green here, there, and somebody will go, what are you talking yeah. about? You just yeah. rode him in the 14. He looked great, you yeah. know, and, and uh, so I don't know. But these sales are just so phenomenal, you know, and the horse business right now is strong. and But it's strong for a reason. There's, a, there's big You're payouts. The yeah. yeah, there's big, huge payouts. People know the difference nowadays between a good one and a yeah. one that yeah. is no good. Right. You know, people are so well informed on what they want, and, and and there's people providing avenues to find them. You know, but there's still not very many of them out there. Well, and I think I think the imposter syndrome, which means the people that know the most feel the less qualified, and the people who know the least feel the most qualified <laughs> because they don't know what they don't know, right? Um, there's this, there's this concept of simple, complex, simple, where a person over here watches a saddle bronc rider and goes, that looks simple. Yeah. Saddle bronc rider goes, yeah, it is simple. But between this simple and this simple is a season of complex. Right. right? And I wonder, I wonder if guys that are really, really handy 
at this level of simple to go, that horse isn't finished. Right. Sometimes almost get out produced by this guy oh. who doesn't know. So he just shows up with a pretty one and tells you this is what he is. And he thinks yeah. it. Yeah. And the horse sells for a pile of money. And meanwhile, this guy over here that's actually got maybe the better product uh, but is like, yeah. oh, I didn't want to. I just didn't. He's yeah. got a couple of things. and Yeah. And he's not not out there pounding his own chest. He's, yeah. he's actually telling you the truth, you know. I bought, I just bought my black horse back. You did? For Rancho. They invited awesome. me in. And that's, that's the best horse I've ever owned. Oh, known. he's it, so awesome. If... Everybody at that sale knew that horse the way that I know that horse. He would top the sale. Exactly. He's, he's that yeah. kind of horse. Yeah. What I don't know is, you know, you got to promote him and all the stuff that goes with it. And I, I don't know. But I knew that if I bought him back, that's the kind of product I wanted to take yeah. to something like that. You know, I didn't want to show up exactly like you're saying. I didn't want to show up with something that's like, hey, he's really been coming on. Right. I don't. That can mean a lot of different things. Coming yeah. on, you, you're, it's not guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The black horse, I rode him at the BFI, circuit rodeo on him, yeah. amateur rodeo. He's, you know, won second of the title fights and the 15 on him down. That one, yeah. I feel like excited. I'm excited for and, people to yeah. see that one. You know, and, and and I just, you know, I'm such a huge fan of that horse sale anyway because you look at the quality. In, in the first couple of years, you go, man, how can you get better? And it just keeps just getting better, and it just keeps getting better, and and you know there's there's so many nice horses in there, and you got to go look at them, and you got a chance to go visit with the people that own them, you know. And so I tell you what I love is that Wickenburg has the highest concentration of team roper IQ in the nation. Exactly. What I mean by that is not that they know more. I'm not saying that there's more people that know a lot. Yeah, and so. I watched that sale last year and I loved it because for a little while it was like the market had corrected towards show horses a little bit, yeah. like the pretty long manes and yeah. like gentle. And that's good. Don't get me wrong. Right. That's good. Last year, the market corrected back towards substance. Yeah. And it was like the horses with the best substance sold the best. Yeah. And it's like, man, this town, it's hard to lie to people. Exactly. You, you know, it, yeah. everything's retail. Yeah. You're going to, you're not, I mean, they're in the wrong part of the world to be cheap. Yeah. But people know what they're looking for. Right. And it is hard. It is hard to trick people yeah. in this town into it buying is. something that's not good. It is. It really is. And, and, you know, you just, you, you go down there and there's more and more people asking the right questions. Hey, what about your horse? Absolutely. You know, you know where's he been? What's he done? You know, and they're looking at the horses and, hey, there's a vet right here. Dr. Ellis is right here. You want to get him vet checked before? for the sale Try. there he is you know how much better can it get if if you make a mistake as a customer down there it's yeah. your own fault right you know right. well i've got a, i've got horses in every sale this year um uh, not the calgary cadillacs i guess but yeah um all the other ones and i've never done it before but i had a lot of horses i had something i was going to kind of take a risk on and i think more even than selling horses i'm excited to have like specific goals yeah, you know, have I, that I, horse you know, ready. I, I stepped yeah. away from my job, and we're you know we're still trying to figure this out and riding outside horses and doing all the stuff that we're doing. It has been mentally good for me to have to have sheets on every night, and like you got yeah. them on supplements, and you're feeding them good, and they're you're training for a specific date instead yeah. of just you know yeah. going out there and go through the motions. And, well, and and I mean honestly, why wouldn't you? Our deal's a little bit tougher because we're so long in Idaho; it's hard to keep them blanketed and, sure right you know by the time we get done shipping calves and everything but but like jason's sales a great sale and i mean it's a proven sale i don't know how many years he's been having it but a long right. time been around you know and like bj stepped out there last year and had a nice sale up there you yeah. know i mean yeah. and and there's kind of something for everybody well and, and for, for me specifically here's what i've found because i'm training with march in mind Right. I've got a little buckskin four-year-old heel horse that I broke steers on yesterday at Simpsons with no tie down. And I say that to say this, 
when I set my date further out there, that horse got better faster. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, the thing that excites me is now I don't want to sell them. I'm putting a horse in a sale yeah. that I'd yeah. rather keep. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's been a learning thing for me because if I want to do this long term, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe instead of setting my goal for what I want to see today, yeah. maybe I, exactly what you said. You have a day where you're good for 20 minutes. Hey, sales not till March. And now what I'm finding is that's probably the fastest way to see them come around anyway. Exactly. You just yeah. kind of pull the screw back half a turn. Yeah. Treat your horses like you treat your lessons. <laughs> like, okay, just let some air out. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to hold you to my standard. Yeah. Um, it's honestly same thing with the yellow horse that I'm taking to BJ's. Right. So selfishly, it's been fun. Yeah. Like it's going to make. You guys check out Equinity Products. They are teamequinity.com. John Dowdy and their gang down there in Florida are revolutionizing horse products and the way that they create better health in our athletes that we depend on so much. Eight amino acids, they promote cellular repair. There's no fillers, no sugars, no starches, no soy, no loading dose. Each 600 gram Equinity Horse XL container has 100 servings. You guys check them out at teamequinity.com. Uh, I've got horses there at the house that I've got on it and I am amazed and 30 days the difference in the way they look but even more so i'm amazed in the first few days after getting them started on this product their overall demeanor calms down you can tell they feel better it promotes gut health it promotes the growth of the chemicals in their bodies that make an impact um, improves muscle support for strength and recovery stronger collagen healthier coats and bones maximizes performance with cell regeneration and increases focus for better response you guys check them out teamequinity.com since its launch in 2014, the 1017 Project has donated over 1.2 million servings of hamburger. It's a program that raises rope and steers. We have lease cattle, jackpot steers, and we, when we're done with those, they transition into the food banks. We've partnered with over 65 different food banks between Oregon, Arizona, and Texas. Let me tell you how you can be a part of it. This winter in Arizona, if you have a steer that's a ducker or a dragger or breaks a horn, something that would cause him to not be useful as a rope and steer, think about donating him to the 1017 Project. You can also find out other ways to be a part of making a difference in the lives of the food insecure families who need our help at 1017project.com. So selfishly, it's been fun. Yeah. Like it's going to make me a better horse trainer trying to rise to those bars. Than in, you know, not being said, don't, I know with me, like my wife and I talk about it a lot and, you know, and having something on the calendar every day, that reason to get up. Or that reason right. to go, no, put the blanket on him because instead of, right. I'm tired, I'm going to go to the it's house. Going it's gonna, only going to be 40, <laughs> you know. Don't worry about yeah. blanketing. We'll yeah. just have to take it off. But I think all that stuff is good for us to a certain extent. So horse-wise, I guess that's my question is like not having horses in sales. Are you are you working to get these to where they're ready to bring the market to sell? Or is it something that you're wanting to use? What's your You what's know, your I guess both. That's, that's a that's a great question because um my wife says I, I i'm not a horse seller i'm a horse collector <laughs> uh, but i kind of like to to see what they're gonna be you know and what's really stupid about me is i'd really like to place my horses right <laughs> you no, know that makes sense and it it does but it's probably not very smart but Knock There's on wood. We smarter things we could do besides yeah. training horses too. If we wanted to yeah, go yeah, exactly. If money was important <laughs> to us, we would have done something a long time ago, something different. But um, it, it is it is nice. Like uh, I'm riding our own colts now, and, and the oldest ones are four year olds. And you have the mares. Yeah. Oh, perfect. And so that's been fun. How are uh, they? How are they bred? They're uh, our stud is. Uh, uh, 
play gun bred mm -hmm. stud and then we got uh two colonel freckles mares oh, wow. and a red uh mr baron red mare and signing sure. kind of juggled it around a lot and then we tried to breed steph's good head horse mare and she didn't take and she's out of wheatley's breeding program over there in california and, and she's a phenomenal head horse and and so we were really excited about breeding her and then she didn't take but um life and times of horse breeders yeah if you can't do anything stupider than breeding horses so but it but it is kind of fun to ride your own and, yeah and, and get to get be there from yeah, the whole process yeah exactly and and with what we're doing up at the ranch right now it's such a great opportunity because they get to get outside and, yeah cross creeks and you know sort cows and so it, it it's 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 been really already how did you end up on the board the prca oh i was that dumb guy that thought i could make a difference Okay, let me ask you this. I always, my whole life, have heard how corrupt the PRCA is, how it's all bent towards the stock contractors. Like, you just hear so much negative coming out of that. And I've known friends that have been on the board that haven't stayed for very long. So, I'm not, and I'm not saying that's yeah. what it is. I'm just saying my whole life that's kind of been the orbiting sort of reputation yeah. of it. Um, what was your, was your experience... Mike, I, um, I was pretty outspoken. I doubt if I'll ever be in the Hall of Fame. I didn't make a lot of fans. Uh, well, hold I on, hold on. Real quick, real quick. <laughs> How many times did you make the NFR? 16. 16 Not times. in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But no world championships. I never won the world, so. But, but 16 yeah. NFR qualifications. I know there yeah. are people in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But I mean, and that ain't where we want to go just with that anyway. It, that's all. Yeah. And, in, and so anyway... I, I started as a steer wrestling director, got involved in the board, kind of seen some things that I didn't like, and I thought, I don't want to be that guy that whines about it and just complains. I want, I'm want i going to get involved in the deal. And uh, I darn sure did, and I probably wouldn't do it again. Did it feel like a game you couldn't win? Yeah. Once I got in over right. my head, I, right. I couldn't win. It was so stacked against you right there. And, and it was probably in the prime of my career right there, you know, where I should have just been really taking yeah. care of my career. And But I had some invaluable lessons on the deal, you know. I mean, one thing, when I left, we had $3 million in the general fund. We were self-insured, and we had a retirement program for the Cowboys that kicked in between 55 and 65, and I was so proud of that. Oh, man. And then when I walked off the board, it was gone in a year. All yeah. all that was gone in a yeah. year. So there, there's I, – I would just – I just wanted – better for the cowboys i didn't right. i didn't want them to be left out the the two major things in rodeo that make it work are those people that sit in the stands and the cowboys out there in the dirt you know i will and, add i will add to your point not that I, my voice is qualified and i'm not right. saying as though it is the older i've gotten and the more i've you know run cows or put on team ropens or had steers or all the stuff that you do i don't think i fully appreciated the work and the time and the money that it takes to be a stock contractor. Right. I do get that it needs to be bent a little to their favor. I get that. But not, <coughs> excuse me, not in such a way that robs from people wearing cowboy hats. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if both were considered, I think that's fair. You know, the, the sad part about that is there's plenty to go around to take care of the committee, the cowboy, the contractor. And put on a fantastic show for that guy that's funding it all that comes and buys the ticket. But I almost feel like it, it's it's the world right now 
where if you don't agree with me, we're not friends. I use fastback U rope classic. I can't. I cannot yep. talk to you no more. Right. We're not friends, right. Jordan. You I can't know? talk to you. you. Drove up here in a Dodge. Yeah, I'm a Ford guy. Yeah, I'm a Ford guy. So we're 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 not friends no more. And that's kind of was. Hey, if you want to try and help the Cowboys, you're out. We're, you're out. You it's know? so I've got a brother. I'd love to have him on the podcast someday. But I have a brother that's a writer for the Athletic. He covers the Texas Rangers. Like he travels wow. with the team and stuff. And could not be more different than I am. Politically, he's as far the opposite for yeah. me as I can get. And I, I think of myself as kind of moderate, and he is way up there. When it's your brother, you can't write him off. Right. You're not going to write people out of the family. Yeah. And so I feel really fortunate to be related that closely to somebody who's that different. Right. Because this, like, no, you're out. If you think that way, you're out. I've never been allowed to operate right. like that. I've never been allowed, unless it's going to cost me my only right. remaining brother, and that's sure. not going to happen, right? And what I've found is... I've actually enjoyed his perspective. I actually enjoy listening to it. Like maybe he comes to different conclusions than I do. Um, and I actually, a genuine, there's almost like a genuine sympathy. We look at rodeo and how depleted it is compared to what it could be. Right. Because somewhere in there, it didn't get to experience what I got almost spoon fed. Yeah. I got just like spoon fed because he's my brother and I love him and I had to figure out how to work through the differences. And I, I feel really fortunate to have gotten to live in that perspective. What I don't know is how to do that on mass. Yeah. Like, how do you get the political thing right now? How do you get, I mean, we're so, we're so divided and it's not like we're getting better. Yeah. You know, and, and even in our own little group, the, the only group of guys I see that maybe demonstrate for the rodeo world, how it could be really is the bulldoggers. Yeah. Those guys are like, they love each other. Right. They're there for each yeah. other. And like, I wish, I wish that's what yeah. you could see at every facet of rodeo. I would, I'd be yeah. so curious what a sport like rodeo could look like if yeah. those were the, if that was the culture. Yeah. And, and that, I guess that's, that's what was so hard on me being involved as deep as I was in it, that, you know, it could have been huge, you yeah. know, um, you know, the pro tour deal. I was lucky enough in the eighties when it started that that was a Winston tour. Or yeah. Was and, and, and it was stopped by some, some people that, that didn't have a vision, you know, yeah. the, the, the bull riding director at that time was Brian McDonald, still one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my entire life with more vision I want to be clear. You just said a bull rider who is also one of the smartest exactly. guys. Exactly. And he was guy. the director, but he did ride bulls at one time. <laughs> but his vision was so clear, and he was light years ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Light years. And no one even took him serious. He was that far advanced that no one even took Couldn't him serious. And, and and what a wonderful human being and, and a great rider. Um, you know, I just... it. But yeah, you do see you, what it could be. Are there specific you know? names? And I'm, I'm sure you're not going to do this. <laughs> are there specific names of people at the time that were just completely against the growth? Not like they couldn't understand it, that actually didn't want to see it grow beyond their control. Yeah, that there, there, there was some, and 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 I don't think I don't think they even had the vision of the growth. It was more. What 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 can you put in my pot right now? Right. No, you you. I don't care if you're putting that ten dollar in. You're not taking that quarter out. Right. Right. You know, right. Right. I don't. I don't think they even thought far enough ahead to, to see this. Just control or Hey, this could be this big. Yeah. And instead of my hundred thousand dollar contract, this could be a five hundred thousand dollar contract if we all just work together. Right. Well, there's here. that death and resurrection thing. Yeah. You see it so clearly in in the professional rodeo world that because there's a resistance to the little death, 
They're yeah. not getting to see the big life. Yeah. You know, they're clinging yeah. so tightly to something that yeah, used yep. to be, and it just dwindles. And, 100%. You know, um, 100%. There's real life that. application right yeah. there. And I mean, to me, it was so simple. The, the national finals is just a, a, a testimony every year. Uh huh. People get to Dude, go, you know? That they could have. I really believe this. I really do believe this. And I'm just a, a nameless, faceless, you know, figure in the in the distance as far as this is concerned. I don't think that my opinion matters. I but I do think the national finals is a once a month sustainable event <gasps> if oh. if we got on par. I think you could see the national finals. No look at look at give me give you an example. Look at the people that in droves came to Fort Worth and Dallas the year that it was moved, which tells me yeah. there's a market in Vegas and it works. Yeah. There's also a market in North Texas that works. I guarantee yeah. you if you had in this time of year, yeah. you had an event in Scottsdale or the like, or put it at, at the Cardinal Stadium, the exactly. American. I mean you South Carolina and, and, and all, Raleigh. There you, you go. Know, I mean, and it's it's sad. There's a sadness that goes there's no unnecessary suffering. Here we go again. Yeah. Because of an unwillingness to suffer today. Yeah. We're facing unnecessary suffering tomorrow. And it's like yeah. Oh, that just it yeah. hurts differently than yeah. suffering that's required. Exactly. You know, and that's had at a point, you know, I almost feel bad because like I don't I don't do a very good job of keeping up on the rodeos and I almost have my black sheet of paper up here. Yeah. It's like I'm don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know because I I think I know what it could be. Right. You know, what if Terry, Taylor Sheridan got involved in rodeo? You want to see great things happen? You yeah, know? but the problem, you just said it, the problem is the people who would have to take their hands off of the gears yep. so that Taylor could put his hands right. on them are yeah. not going to turn into something, and they're in a position yeah. of power. Yeah, They not. get to decide whether they want exactly. to or not. Exactly. That, to me, is why Teton Ridge buying the American at least piques my interest, at yeah. least of like, okay, yeah. maybe there's some thought to it. You yeah. know, a guy like Randy Bernard, you yeah. know, those type of people that are forward exactly. thinking Yost, I'd be so curious to know what Yost would do. Yeah. I'm not saying he yeah. wants to, I don't, I don't know. No, I don't. Either. What if a guy like that decided, yeah. all right, I'm going to try the rodeo deal. How would it work? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause there's, there, there is some phenomenal people in our industry, you know, that I think are like me that don't, didn't want to deal with that mentality no more. You right. know, I don't, I don't care about your show deal, you yep. know, yep. I'm going to go do my own deal, you know, and, and, and just, just like Yost and, and, and Randy and those guys, you know, that, Hey, let's go on to bigger and better things. Let, well, know. and I, I think it's like a lint roller almost like the bigger people you get involved, the bigger people, people that want to get involved. Both. No, everybody wants to kind of see people like themselves, right? Like nobody wants to be this super successful venture capitalist type person that has to set down all the success to go slum it with people because it's a sport that he loves. Right. Right. It, not that those guys don't exist, but most of those people go, what if there's other people like me involved? What could it be? And it's almost like, as you're able to bring people like that in, Man. the wider it goes and more people like that show up until eventually, yeah. you know, but that, that was part of the frustration for me at the national finals. You have Campbell suit people in there and they're all sitting in the, in the suite with me and you're explaining rodeo to them. And, and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. You know? And the next night you have a different group of people in, you know, and, at one point, we had Valvoline, uh, Pennzoil involved, you know, great people, you know, and and to let them go because you refuse to change, you know. I well, mean, I think that's our best defense against what they're trying to do with illegalizing rodeo. I think our best defense is education. 
Yeah. Because I can watch a rodeo, and if something – like, I've rode calves sure. really up until I was 33. That's all I really cared about in the world. Um, I can watch calf rope and run and tell you whether it hurt a calf or not. Exactly. And there's times it does. Yeah. Most of the times it doesn't. The right. things that cause the most <gasps> – in the crowd is not the thing that was actually, you know, pain-inducing, yeah. right? And same with bucking horses. Same with steer wrestling, team yeah. rope, and all that stuff. If there was a, a – a, a pipeline of education for people like Pennzoil, Vavilene, or right. Campbell's. Like, you're sitting there in the booth explaining right. it. That is our best defense. And it's like, we've decided, no, our best defense is just to stand up and say, screw you guys, we're not going to deal. And it's like, man, you're standing on a train track yeah. because the world is not getting tougher and harder. The world yeah. is getting softer and weaker. Yeah. And if we don't communicate, yeah. I don't know how to move forward. I, I'm not sure how to get there. You know, I was lucky because uh, Lewis Cryer was uh, – the CEO at the time of the PRCA, and he was a, a very, very smart, intelligent man and let money go to work. But he was, we were real proactive at that time of, you know, bringing in the Humane Society and taking them down through the stalls, showing them the bucking horses, showing them what they were fed, mm-hmm. talking to people, educating them. And, and the problem went away. Because they, they didn't have a leg to stand on right. at the time, you right. know. And and we've done this as the same thing as ranchers. We've done such a poor job of getting people to understand what goes into that ribeye that they just picked up at Safeway right. for 15 bucks, you right. know. They have no idea. Um, just, I don't know how much time we've got, but Plenty. I did that little ad for Pendleton, and, and they flew in their crew from California, and they were straight up out of studio people you know uh, and they were vegan and they were tattooed and they were earringed and there was holes in their cheeks and they come to the ranch and we were roping and branding and the first day they were real standoffish there was about eight or nine on the crew that was filming stuff and they did their job and so that night we invited them all to dinner and it was a little i don't eat meat and mm-hmm. we we do this mm-hmm. and and no everyone on our crew was just Okay, nice to them. Yeah. By the second night, all barriers started coming down. By the third day, we had a blast, and they asked great questions that we were able to respond to and yeah. show them. Yeah. You know, and I, it was so productive in that response. It was really rewarding, you know, to get to know them. And nobody criticized them for their lifestyle. Nobody beat up sure. on them. Right. And and I think they left there not criticizing ours no more and right. going, wow. Yeah. Them guys, they work hard and, and they're, they're, they care for them. You know, they keep them alive. They, they if do it. If only, know? here we go back again, if only there was a book that talked about how to meet people in the middle and middle ground and how to move life forward by getting along with each other. It's like, yeah, here we go back to where we started. It's yeah. like, this yeah. is all productive. This is all useful. I think that was the goal is, yeah. you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And who's your, who's yeah. your neighbor? Like, yeah. Ugh. yeah. Exactly. And, and, and like I said, it negatively affects so many elements of life when you get it wrong. Yeah. That man, yeah. It, it's exciting. It's exciting to me to think that someday it will, somebody will, pro- okay, here's my guess. Somebody's going to have to do something outside of the stranglehold of the PRCA yeah. before it changes. Yeah. That's my guess. There's yeah. just too much power in power that's self. The tough part about it is the one thing they've done a good job on, the PRCA has done a good job on, is the national finals means a lot to us cowboys. Yep. You yep. Know? 
Yep. No one wants to be the first guy to go, hey, I won the Rod Lyman Invitational. <laughs> you know, they want to be, hey. It's I, the yellow bucket and shoes. Yeah, yeah. I, I made it. I made it to the national finals. I think I put up with some people in my own life more than I would because I have history with them, right? People I've been friends with for a long, long time, I'm less likely to cut because (laughs) it's hard to buy history, you know? And yeah, and and really Vegas has done a good job. You know, you think about the junior rodeos, the barrel racings, the World Series team. I mean, they have just insulated themselves with people and events and money. And like it's. Hey, 1985 was the first year it was there. And that's the first year I qualified. The shows were dark. You know, there was, there, they, there was no night shows because it was our slow time of the year. Yeah, right. They wouldn't right. fire back up until New Year's. And so there was no shows to go to. Consequently, you got to go to dinner with all your family and everything you else. You know, rib because yeah. they're trying to get you to the casino. Yeah, yeah, to get you there. And and what what rodeo has done for Las Vegas and Michael Gong and those guys will not argue with you. They're they're so appreciative. Yeah. But it's just it's huge now. You yeah, know, that's I mean, a perfect storm. Yeah, and, and and it just keeps yeah. getting better. Yeah, and then like you say, with the World Series, the team roping being there, and the Junior NFR, and what an exciting place to go if you love the Western lifestyle. Well, and if a guy, if a guy could figure out a way, maybe not to replicate those ten days, because like I said, you probably can't. Yeah. But you know, maybe like in April, maybe in June in the north where it's warm, where yeah. the people like like the Montana, Idaho, South Dakota, North Dakota, like it, yeah. there's a place. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm just talking completely beyond, beyond my pay grade. But not that you could take away the NFR. It's going to be what it is. But that somebody has this, th- this forethought, like you said, what about what about Raleigh? Yeah. What about you know South yeah. Carolina? What yeah. about Florida? What about these places? Right. It, it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You start feeling like you're beating your head against the wall, but yeah, there, there's definitely a place to to showcase our best athletes. Yeah. And and create I a would, lot of money. I would be birds. so mad <clears throat> if I bought a ticket and brought my family to a rodeo and I had to watch my neighbor, Tom, that he ropes as a hobby right. roping. Like I get yeah. it. I get it. You don't want to go watch that. Right. No offense yeah. to my yeah. neighbor, Tom, my made up person, yeah. but th- that's not what a professional sport should yeah. be. I wouldn't go buy a ticket to a major league baseball game so I could go watch yeah. my neighbor, Tom, try to swing a bat either. Yeah. Right? right. So to somehow have a, a degree of qualification is, right. but, but you know, our, our best guys offer, to me, the best entertainment in the world. Now, I don't care if you're talking about the bronc riders or the team ropers or the calf ropers or the yeah. steer wrestlers. They are a ball to watch. But I've always felt that. A professional is awesome because you go, yeah. Yeah. oh, I can I can shoe a horse. Oh, I can build a house. <laughs> right. Look at how easy that is. Right. Simple, and then complex, you, simple. Yeah, you venture in there and go, holy moly. <laughs> I heard a comedian, I, I think it's Kathleen Madigan, said, the Olympics should require this one average person try every single event first, <laughs> first, and then you go, "Oh my gosh, how could anybody ever do that?" And then you get to this appreciation because uh, now awesome. you watch and everybody's pretty good. And, yeah, it doesn't look that hard. Uh, It'd be, that, it would be fun to see somebody get to go just try an exhibition, run back. Okay, see that, how this looks. All yeah. right, now this is what it yeah. looks like at a professional level. That, sort be, of that is awesome. But you know, just professionals are so much fun to watch. I, you know, yeah. Yeah. just awesome. And I just think we got. In the rodeo world, some of the very best athletes, you know, and that that people would pay a lot of money to go watch. Well, you, know? you can go down here to Rancho and yeah. and predict which roping is going to have the biggest crowd. Yeah, the least entered yeah. roping 
yeah. is going to be the most, most attended. We're back to the yeah. Pareto distribution, right? right. You're going to have 80% of the spectators watching 20% or 10%, right. 90, you know, yeah. you're going to have the open guys. That's going right. to have a crowd and there's going to be less amount of people in their open. I mean, yeah, it, it just, just follows, it follows yeah. a pattern. Yeah, so. it does. It definitely does. Rod, I'm going to ask this. We do this again at some point. This is awesome. Oh, I mean, thank you. This is, thanks this for... is the therapy that I don't have to pay for. So <laughs> I appreciate the help. Uh, and then, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Heck yeah. If somebody runs fun. into you looking for lessons or how do they, how do they get a hold of you if they want to come? Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty old school. Um, word of mouth is about what we get or phone call. Facebook and, or something Yeah, like Steph's that. got, Steph does have a Facebook account and got messenger on it and under, for I people who for people who don't know, Rod is also a member of the Howdy Club. You know what that is? <laughs> the How'd he get her club? <laughs> so if anybody knows Stephanie, you're not gonna believe this. Yes, that's actually his wife. Rod, I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Jordan. <laughs>